Welcome to In the Deep. I'm your host, Katherine Ingram. The following Zoom session was recorded on October 29th, 2023. It's called War and Peace. I've been reflecting a lot on the issues of war and peace. How throughout history, these forces, these flows of civilizational manifestations keep swirling back and forth. Times of peace, times of war, times of peace, times of war. And the, the ante at this point is really dangerously high for the war part. And I've been feeling a kind of helplessness in a sense, not really, but something like that, more a sense of how little I can affect the needle of whatever is to happen in any direction. How I, I watch what's happening and, you know, it's heartbreaking. But a lot of things are heartbreaking. We live in a samsaric reality here where there's loss all around all the time in the best of times. And how whatever agency I have, it's not going to provide peace on earth. And also that there's very few individuals who have that kind of influence. Some people have a great influence and they can make a difference one way or the other into more calm and or into more war, as we see. And what it throws me back into is that my only sanctuary of peace has to be my own attention. And I know that I can return to that, and I've been willing myself to do that a lot more of late. Willing myself, putting a strong intention That doesn't mean I'm not paying attention to what's happening. And of course, what is happening brings up a lot of stressful feelings and thoughts and images and compassion and heartbreak. But I also know that because I can't do much and what I can possibly offer only is to myself a sanctuary of peace And to whoever I'm interacting with, just some sense of calm. And that's what I would like to recommend for us in this session today, is that we remind ourselves of our peaceful place. That we set aside the the images and the if-only stories and the bad guys and good guys and all of it. It will go on without us and remind ourselves how important it is to do that, how important it is to keep coming home where you do have some agency as to where you put your attention. We have at least that. War and peace. This is how it is here on planet Earth. It's a never-ending story, it seems. You know, we might have thought at different times a new world war would be unthinkable just because everyone would be gone. There would be nothing. 
But we can't make any assumptions anymore. It just, we cannot predict. There are so many different factors and colliding interests and confusion and ignorance and anger driving the whole show. So to just shake your fist at the sky about this is just going to make you tired and probably angry as well. Sit in your peace. That is not an escapism. I'm not talking about denial of the reality. I'm talking about an efficacy in how to get through this, how to live, and perhaps be a bit of a light to others. It may not change the tide in any big direction except in your own circle. And we know how valuable that is to us when we're with someone who calms us down, whose presence calms us down. We know how valuable that is. So be that. Enjoy for yourself. Make sure you use your attention wisely each day because there's a lot of information grabbing our attention and it's big time, like an asteroid coming at us. It may not hit, but it is compelling. So there's a way in which there's an interest. The, the mind goes, well, what's happening now, you know? And, and because the world is watching, there's a, an incredible focus, whether I'm here or I'm in Australia. I'm right now in the US, as you know, uh, but I feel like I'm, I'm connected to my friends in Australia. We're all on the same subject. And you in Europe as well, my friends there. We're in a global conversation. And there's a lot of fear running through everybody's hearts. But I have been experimenting with choosing peace. And it's a toggle. You know, I notice sometimes I start getting wound up. Or I start getting into feelings of despair and anger. And I know where that leads. I know where that's going to go. If it did anything useful, <laughs> maybe it would be worth indulging it. But it doesn't seem to. So here in this session with our dear friends, just be and be simple and rest easy in your dear hearts. And know that, look, this is our time here. This is our hand that we got to play in lots of other circumstances throughout history. People have very difficult hands to play and they had to basically make do and live and love and find joy and find calm in any way they could. And they did. That's why we're here. Those were our ancestors. We can give peace a chance, at least in our own hearts, in our own life. Catherine, thank you. That's why we're all here, because <laughs> you make us calm. <laughs> and uh, it's a very good reminder, everything that you say is just, it's a choice to put attention. Yeah. And we always have that choice. But I find that sometimes I just want to get really pissed off. I go for it, you know, just like I, I'm just going to vent. Yeah. And I do that. And it feels really good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm angry and I'm tired afterwards. 
I don't know if yeah. it's done any good, but um, I don't know. I think it's Vincent van Gogh's The Starry Night, all the swirls. You mentioned that word swirls. Mm. There's swirls that go this direction, this direction, this direction, all over. And I feel like whichever way I step, I'm in another swirl of some kind of energy, some kind of it's chaos, yeah. you know, and then you kind of find your balance there and step into another one. And actually, that's the only thing that I can do is find a center in me, you know, and right. I find nature is the biggest one for me. Yeah. Beautiful. I can find that solstice. Yeah. And how lucky to have access to that. That's a pretty handy one to just you know, walk into and, and feel just the coolness of your spirit among the coolness of the trees. It's been just so up for me how even very powerful people who have a tremendous amount of ability to change direction, well, mostly they're not <laughs> doing that. It's just, it just feels like there's this massive floundering everywhere or making steps that may just dig the hole deeper. I know so many people, so many people I've known for many, many years are saying they're feeling a nervousness that they hadn't ever felt before, right? Just a certain, like, it's not as if we're, we haven't been noticing crises along the way. We have plenty already on our plate. So it just feels like it's just ramping up and yeah. colliding crises. And who knows? I still sit in the mystery of it all. I've also lived long enough and seen a lot of dramas go down of things that might have happened, terrible things that ended up not happening, amazingly. We've, we've threaded the needle so many other times. But you just don't know. You can't possibly know. And all we can't have any control over is just where we're putting our attention. It's just that simple. And it's down to the moment. Because we're all so stressed about the news, Little things can pile up, and you find yourself being irritated irrationally over some tiny thing. Or there's something that didn't go your way, something insignificant in the scheme of things. And like, I'll give an example. Here's an example. I got a USPS notice. I have the thing set up because I had mail going to my niece's house. And so I had a thing set up that showed me when I got a piece of mail. I think it's called informed delivery or something like that with the USPS. So I got this notice that I had something from the Internal Revenue Service from the Treasury Department. And I knew they weren't sending me a check. I knew that much. And I had just done, I had just done some major filings that had taken many months because being an expat living in Australia, the U.S. government requires massive reporting on multiple forms, and it's scary, frankly. <laughs> and your, your chances of not doing something right are very high. Anyway, so I see this thing, and I can't get anyone at my niece's house to go look at the mail. My niece is away out of town. Her husband was at work, had to wait a day or two. And I noticed this agitation and this nervousness and this kind of fretting inside. And I kept saying to myself, this is small potatoes. What is going to happen? The worst that's going to happen is I'm going to have to do a whole lot more paperwork and reporting and back and forth with the IRS. And meanwhile, I'm watching the news out of the Middle East and so on and realizing the, the disparity of my little problem. But I felt that it was landing on top of an already stressful state. Mm -hmm. So I really watched that. 
again, these are still our moments on this earth, and they're very finite. Each one of these days now is, you know, it's, it's in a pile that's, that's less than the ones that have passed. And so they become more and more valuable as a result of their scarcity. Obviously, we have to allow a space of empathy and compassion and concern when we see what's happening in the world. That is given. But we have to be careful about using up our entire life force, our entire well-being in a kind of martyrdom to fretting and the worry and the angst and the horror that is happening. Nice to see all of you. Um, peace in a time of war. Um, you did say something about we had our hand to play in the world that we grew up in. And that hand included where I lived, uh, the proximity to Westover Air Force Base, which was one of the main nuclear weapon staging points for the Air Force in the 60s and 70s. And as a child, I'd play in the backyard with my brothers and these huge B-52s would fly overhead. And we could hear them like thunder. And we knew what they were carrying and what they were practicing. And we, we lived under that umbrella, which was providing safety and security for us. Somehow this concept of the hand to play, the cards that we've been dealt, um, it's true. But I think most of the young people, my, even my young colleagues, for instance, and my three daughters, they have a very different hand of cards than we have. And in that stacked deck, they have this climate and the things happening. We've read the science, we know, we've, we've looked into it, we've read deeply into it, we've read books on it. And we have this war of civilizations. These are civilizational wars. These aren't little skirmishes on borders of countries. These are civilizational, history-changing engagements. And when we see the people in the positions of highest power simply reacting by doubling down, it just makes me lose a lot of hope. Um, and I sometimes feel that I just have no place to go out of that position, that I'm sort of stuck. And if there's some way out other than creating my own safe space, um, some way to see the world as in a process that will lead to peace, then, then I would feel much more able to sleep at night. Yeah, that would be great if we had some scenario that we could rest in as a possibility, a strong possibility. I just don't know that we can count on that. I, I think we have to sit in the unknown and find peace there. It's harder because hope has always been a carrot that calms people down. Have hope. 
You got to have hope, right? It's a cliche, really. And I'm not saying the sentiment is a cliche, but the words are bandied about a lot and in all kinds of ways. T.S. Eliot said, be still and wait without hope for the hope, maybe hope for the wrong thing. But I say, be still and wait without hope, period. Just be still and let it roll out. And and you said, you know, look, the only place you have any agency is in your own sanctuary. And okay, then take that, right? At least you have that. And it is nice for other people when you're not in panic. You are completely awake to the situation. You know, you're right there in Berlin, for God's sake. Um, I assume you're in Berlin today, are you? Oh, I am. Yeah. I'm staying off the road. Yeah. Okay. So you obviously are attuned to what is happening. And at the same time, your attention can be pretty calm. You know, you were talking about where you grew up. So I right now am in Virginia Beach where my family <laughs> and it, it, this is like a war zone already. There's an Air Force base right nearby. The jets are practicing multiple times a day. It is thunderous. It is it is so heartbreaking to think of what it does to the animals. You know, like it's bad enough for we humans to have to hear this noise and also what it portends, etc. But just the, the ecological stress of it. And at the same time, also, the largest naval base in the world is right here, about four miles from where I'm sitting. So it's a, it's a big war prep scene here. So you can't get far away from it, you know, in terms of the awareness of what's happening. And at the same time, I am listening to the birds whenever I'm able to listen to the birds. And we have a little one-and-a-half-year-old stairs. You might hear them. Um, and the joy of that little creature, you know, who gets excited about the tiniest of things, right? Like we're looking at pumpkins that are in people's doorways because it's Halloween soon. Um, and she just loves looking at all the different pumpkins on the street and pointing them out. And, and I think we have to really seize these moments. I think we have to really live our days as though they could be some of the last they really technically are some of the last, but we usually make assumptions that we have a whole bunch of them left. And really double down on loving the things you love. That's where the doubling down can go. Love the things you love. Let yourself know that. All the things I've said over and over again, living in your senses, being grateful for that. For every bite you take of food that you like or every sip of your your nice boutique fancy wines. This has been my subject for a very long, long time. It is really coming home in a new way. I'm kind of surprised by it because I can feel the quickening. Uh, there's there's nobody at the helm. No one's no one's uh, driving this ship. Like it's just a floundering of madness. So we we have to really let everyone know in your life how much you love them and really feel that in your heart. It's not going to do very much for us to curse the heavens and curse the politicians and curse the war machine. And it, it's, it's, in a way, it's the same as it ever was, except that it's more of it and more dangerous than it ever was. But the force of it, 
the forces of greed, hatred, and ignorance are same as it ever was. In the old days, they just didn't have as much technology to muck everything up, but there was plenty of war and plenty of people who got ground in the dust of it, you know, and yet others who survived it all and had a life and had children and grandchildren, and, and here we are. This is the trajectory of history. There is a very fine book that this all brings to mind called A Nervous Splendor, mm. written by Frederick Morton. And it talks about the situation in Vienna in the 1890s. And he has a wonderful way of presenting how this uh, disintegration was gathering, was accelerating. Mm. And, and that book just really comes to mind because... That is the feeling I have, that there's an acceleration of disintegration. Yes. And that yeah. all of the human weaknesses that you so aptly uh, mentioned really are, you know, you see powerful people trying to hang on to power as the main motivation for driving events in the world. Yeah. We can see that very transparently. Yeah. 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 On all sides, you know, of course, and we see it writ large. Yeah. And, and, and not seemingly not caring how many people will have to die for those, those hungers for power. Mm. And that's, that's also not new, as we know. So to spend our, our heart energy, and I think it can get very dangerous, actually, to be living in a kind of it's like a, a depression on steroids, looking at all this stuff and just seeing what it might pretend and getting more and more horrified and, and worked up and bitterly rageful. I mean, what we're seeing is a lot of anger, very, very dangerous amounts of anger in masses of people, not just the ones on the war theater fields, but everywhere. And to be caught up in that is, again, it's pretty useless. It's pretty useless for us individually. And I, th I think it's very dangerous to your health that, that you're just living in a, uh, you know, living in white-hot anger is super bad for your health. To Anne's point, there are moments where you just feel like you've got to release it somehow. Or you've got to talk with a friend and say, can you believe this? You know, granted. But to live as a, as a constant state of fury and hatred and tribal war inside yourself about others, oh, it's not going to help you or anyone. And do you remember the old temptation song, War? What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Remember that song? <laughs> yeah, I've always been a peacenik myself. Cooler heads can usually find diplomacy, but they're, they're rare. We're in a world where people get in trouble for calling for peace. I know, yeah. A lot of it, you know, you were talking about the time that we grew up. And uh, I must say one of, the, one of the heartaches I feel is this nostalgia for the world that we knew that is gone and that the young people actually are not going to know. They don't know and they will not know it. In some ways, that's reality too. So they just adapt to this reality and it's just what is. We are haunted, I think, 
by how things used to be and what it used to feel like. And there are times, sometimes I'll hear a song from my era and it, it just makes me cry. Just I, f- I feel into what it felt like then and we are so far from what it, that felt like. Um, not just because I was young, there was that too, but, but because it was just a different world. And whatever problems we had at the time, like Vietnam War and different things, just seemed like a walk in the park. That wasn't the, to minimize whoever got harmed in that war, but it was a regional war and it was contained and it didn't last forever like the new ones. And yeah, it, it's, it's a lot of letting go that we're faced with to live in these times with all that is on our plate. And I've been having to be more vigilant than usual, right? More intentional. I've had to really take myself in hand and say, okay, enough of this for the moment. Let's go back to peace. Let's make a nice sweet little meal for my stepmother and my little baby niece. And, (laughs) you know, like that, just... So you give to others. Yeah. And that's a great open secret for happiness. That'll, that'll put your attention on something else. If there's any way in your life, any way for any of us, whatever it is, it can be small scale, it can be reading to the blind, whatever it is. If there's something you can be doing like that, this is a good time to be doing that kind of thing. Any kind of volunteer thing would be great. Thanks, Catherine. You're welcome. Hello, Catherine. I've been looking forward to say hello to you and all the rest. And uh, I'm very grateful to see you here. And um, yeah, thinking all all the time about uh, this situation. And uh, but sometimes it helps me to just have a look at the sky. Yes. You know, so the contrast is so big. Uh, our reality in this world, in this earth, and it is fantastic to just see the things in perspective and uh, have kind of a distance to this reality, and then uh, to think about much more, much more reality which is there also. Yeah. Yeah. And it helps me to yeah to survive. <laughs> Yeah, me too. I especially feel that in the night sky, you know, because you then have a sense of the distances. And and also just thinking like probably most of the stars we're seeing, people of old saw those same stars. Some maybe have burned up, but mostly it's a similar sky. And to just think of all the eyes and all the hearts and all the, the... the activities on the earth that happened all over those centuries and centuries of time, and that those people too looked in wonder at this, our place in, in this vastness and wondered about what is this? <laughs> what is where? What, <laughs> what does this mean? And really, if we're honest, we don't really know the answers to those kind of questions. But it is certainly nice to appreciate the wonder of it and understand the mysteriousness of it. And yes, it's a very good exercise at this time also for all of us, in addition to any other of the things we've spoken about in this time of high stress and a lot of fear rolling around. Those are great antidotes 
is just look at the look at the sky, look at the night sky or the day sky, hmm. or any any place where you're reminded of of some vastness and of the the cycle of life. And it, of, it's still an amazing trip, despite all that we've just, <laughs> you know. It's still amazing. And I do feel like even with this nostalgia, I sometimes feel about my time of growing up and times before. I also know that I feel very alive in this time. Mm. And I feel more awake than I've ever felt. Would I trade that? I don't think so. Maybe a little bit. I, I, I give up some awakeness for some of my old <laughs> peaceful free world. <laughs> But I, this is what I've got here, and it's it's also beautiful. And also another thing is I have been through so many rounds of my opinions and of my knowing of this and that that have been completely shattered along the way in, in just my one lifetime. One of the refreshing things for me at this age is I don't believe a lot of my thoughts anymore. I've whipped all over the stage in terms of what I think I know. There's just a few things that I do really now know, like just a few, but they're pretty crucial. Are you in Europe? Uh, from in Denmark, yes. You're in Denmark. Denmark. Okay. Yes. 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 And uh, I want to say also, I actually practiced this uh, one of your podcasts. You talked about um, this German. Photographer Ruth Benhart, you know, the practicing of seeing the world as if it is the first time and as if it is the last time at the same time. Yeah. It's very kind of very <laughs> overwhelming. Sometimes it's very overwhelming of the beauty that we can experience. It's sometimes too much. <laughs> It is often too much. It's true. It's, it's, and I think because it's so much, a lot of people resist feeling that much. You know, they resist these kinds of very overwhelming, intense, powerful things, and they distract themselves on all kinds of inane nonsense all the day long, just so they don't have to go to the deep places, you know. I understand that, because it is sometimes too much. But, of course, if you're made in such a way that you can't help it, yeah. You just have to endure. <laughs> you have to really let your heart break and, you know, be be sad and also be joyous and take all kinds of risks in loving things and beings that you know are going to fade away and that you only get to experience for a few minutes. And, yeah, all of those things. Beautiful. Yeah, but also, the, you know, the sometimes because I'm from Iran and uh, in these days they are talking about... Um, Iran's role in this in this war, and so this is very kind of uh, worrying for me. But I'm at the same time in Denmark, living in this totally beautiful, peaceful, stable yeah. place in Denmark, and it's kind of having this one foot in the hell and the other one the heaven. Yeah. But I have been practicing this actually to holding the whole everything in my heart and. Uh, Kind of having a kind of looking at all the whole everything, mm. um, you know, encompassing, you know, kind of taking my arms around everything. Mm. Kind yeah. of has this, like, that idea helps me to just have a look and at the same time have the, the perspective of uh, this earth and then. Rest of the universe. <laughs> yes. And of the 
making the kind of tolerating it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. You widen the lens and, and you have to just include all of it. And, and yeah, yeah, that's very powerful. Yeah, but I have been very, really, been very really inspired by your podcasts, and I've been listening to them so many times. <laughs> oh. <laughs> wow! Okay, <laughs> lovely. Yes, this session we're having will be one of them. I'm going to go ahead and do this. As you all probably know, I've I've not been uh, producing my podcast for quite some months because I've been just in a swirl of motion, and uh, yeah, so. But well, thank you very much. Very, very nice to meet you. Do you have family in Iran still? Yes, my all, all my family is in Iran. Yes. Oh, well, yes, yes. So I really, oh, I really bow to to the moment you're experiencing, which is much more on a front line than many of us. But we're all kind of on the front lines at this point. Yes. But yeah, yeah. But as you know, there are so many Iranians who have been trying to get rid of this regime, but. Uh, you know, last year it was so many upsets and uh, we tried actually, there are so many people who were killed by, mm. you know, mm. so many. So the Iranians are not the same as this regime which are on the cover. So. Yeah, I would say that about most of our governments, especially the warring governments, you know, I'd say that they are not necessarily representative of the people. I'm really so sorry I missed the beginning with internet stuff and some other things. You said there are a few things you do know, and then you froze, and I don't know if you said what those things are. Well, the few things, one of the big things I'd say is forgiveness in situations where I have felt justified, perhaps, in holding back from someone. And I still think that in one's life, it's best not to let bullies bully you. That's fair enough, and you want to get out of their way. At the same time, though, sometimes I have been overly um, sensitive. That's one thing. Some things around health. Uh, I used to take my health a lot more for granted. I could get away with a lot. And I'm clear now that <laughs> that's not the case. So um, I'm more careful about my health. That's another thing I've learned and that I seem to know well. And I still take chances and push it a bit, but I know how to kind of recalibrate into a more healthy pattern. So I, I often rely on a kind of internal radar that I listen to very carefully. And I just know when I'm getting off balance with something, whatever it might be psychologically or about opinions or some kind of indulgence health-wise. And of course, all the basics, like I said, doubling down on love and letting people know that I love them and trying to show up, really wanting to be present, willing to be present with people, even if they don't speak about subjects that I find particularly interesting. I used to be much more of a snob about that. I used to prefer to be with people who were interesting to me. And that obviously included like a Dharma family. But even within the Dharma family, I still wanted in terms of who I hung out with, I still wanted a certain keen intellectual connection. And I've gotten a lot more flexible about all that. Really, I, I just love being around what I call the sweetheart crowd. And so that's opened up a lot of 
space for more people to join in my little party. So yeah, those kinds of things. They're universal truths in a way, but they've become more clear as I go. Um, and I, I have a follow-up question. Okay. <laughs> you said you were being, having to be more vigilant, and I was, I was interested and curious about that too. I mean, I feel like I have to really rally myself almost every day to be grateful for what I have without feeling guilt for mm -hmm. what I have versus yeah. what others don't. Yeah. And I think rally yourself every day if that's what it takes. It's worth doing. And I feel the same. I Like I'm saying, I'm noticing that I used to f just kind of rely on a sort of general habit of, of present awareness and resetting myself if I'm in a funky mood. But I'm having to be much more clear about that now. I'm having to be really on top of it because I do feel like a gathering storm. You know, when a storm is about to come and let's say it's the afternoon and you can smell it in the air and the look of the sky and it hasn't landed yet. It's just the gathering darkness. And maybe sometimes a storm gathers and then it doesn't land. It, it passes or it just drizzles. You don't know yet. But I do feel that that's the moment for us here. And it's forcing a present awareness and, and a sense of, okay, I'm going to enjoy this day. You know, this, this is a good day. I'm going to enjoy this day. I'm going to allow myself to feel empathy and compassion for those who are suffering, those who I'm aware of. Um, I'm also wanting to be present for the people around me. Like that, that kind of vigilance. Not just sleepwalk through this. Maybe this is what the world needs to wake up. Maybe we have to bring it right to the edge, right to the brink. And perhaps out of this, some better leadership will emerge. Maybe the people in the places we can still pick our leaders, will have had enough. We've been on a roll for quite a while. There's been a lot of laissez-faire, materialistic indulgence in our rich countries, especially. You know, there, there are countries where people are much more aware of the threats that they're dealing with. But we've gotten pretty lazy and sleepy over the last few decades, especially here in America and also, I'd say, Europe and Australia. We've kicked back a lot. And now, you know, people are saying it feel, it's starting to feel like it's 1939. It's getting to be very clear that we can't make assumptions about the good life we've all had. So we've got to just grab the good life today and intensify manifesting what you actually know. Be grateful. And in that gratitude, you exude a bit of joy to people around you. I know whenever I'm in a troubled state, it means the world to me to, to talk with a friend who's not in a troubled state and who I can sense is paying attention, isn't just ignoring everything, is pretty hip to what's happening, and is speaking from a different place, and it, it transmits, right? It transmits, and it, it pings that place in myself that is okay. It just says, okay, 
I'm another human standing here on this planet, looking at the sky, <laughs> you know, aware of my place. Um, grateful to be here. Thank you. That may be the most beautiful thing I've ever heard. Oh. Oh. Awesome. Hello, Catherine. Hello, everyone. And thank you so much, Catherine. And I agree that was very beautiful to hear. I'm another human standing on this planet and looking at the sky and cooking some food and so on. And, um, I just thought I'd share what, where else I might have been this afternoon. I'm in the UK, and one of my sisters in a in another town in in the UK. She's she's very involved in local human rights and solidarity group for Palestinian rights, absolutely from a peaceful, very committed, peaceful perspective. And and what she and others in her group have done this afternoon is call for anyone that wants to attend, a bit like this, you know, anyone feeling minded to come along to what they call peace in the park. And it was mm -hmm. a gathering and inviting people not to have any slogans or chanting or flags, but to be there and stand together. I think that word showing up and expressing concern and solidarity. And that they're inviting people to say the only word they want to be obvious there is peace. How wonderful. It's a really lovely thing to know is happening there. May, may that be the wave of the waking up of, of people saying we want peace. Yeah. Right. I, I agree with that. I mean, we're recognizing each other, the same needs. And and we, I think there are really deeply felt concerns and solidarities and currents of that that are, are going on now. Well, that's what we're trying to do here too. Yes. I'd say there is now what we would have to say is a, a great urgency. We can't be f fussing around any longer. As Kierkegaard said, tranquilized by the trivial, you know, we don't have the luxury of that. And so now, let's see what happens. It's an evolutionary process that's underway, whether it goes towards annihilation or a great waking up. Who knows? We don't know. We're watching us with everybody else doing our part in how we're using our own attention. That's really our only uh, possibility of an offering. But, yeah, if enough of, of us turn to that... And you, you have this lovely analogy of wanting to be good compost. <laughs> yes. And I wonder if we can think of ourselves as maybe we can be good worms, just little humble creatures. And yeah, you know, <laughs> yeah. I don't know where this we don't know where this will lead, but we have a need to be reaching out and digesting and um, finding our way to produce maybe the next layer of what makes life little. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Thanks, Catherine. Hmm. Um, Catherine, yeah, what keeps occurring to me is um, turn the other cheek, mm. you know. Mm. I suppose I'm just reflecting on it. Yeah. I'm just trying to reflect on what it means. Yeah, interesting, yeah. I just brought tears to my eyes for some reason. 
Yeah. yeah. It's a powerful line, and it's hard to do, isn't it? Um, but it's a powerful concept. There are times, I suppose, when that isn't so appropriate. Because, yeah. And, but then there are times when it is, so just to know which is which. And that's the hard one, isn't it? Yeah. And geopolitically as well. I just feel so inept, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's what I these issues. It's, yeah, we, we have so little control of any of this. And, you know, we only have this one little spot here, that, that being ourselves. <laughs> and we don't have full control of that either, of course, but we can move our attention around and might as well. Yeah, sometimes I feel I don't have control over that, but I trust I trust what you're saying. Yeah, and you probably, yeah, sometimes I don't have full control of that either. Um, and yeah. Not even full control, any control, but intermittently, right, I can return to directing my attention. And I think not as well, trying not to engage with uh, opinionated, uh, there's one friend of mine and she's very opinionated about things. I try and see the bigger picture because I like her, she's very intelligent, yeah. but she's saying very polarized things about the, the conflict and I'm shocked actually, you know, and I'm trying to figure out, on the one hand, I want to be kind, she's my friend, um, I do have a broad perspective on, you know, mm -hmm. people who are different, I suppose. On the other, I'm kind of shocked to, you know, that, that some of the whitewashing comments, which I wouldn't even repeat. And yeah, I suppose the ethical question is, do I, do I actually stay away from this person because of that? I, I can't engage at that level, you know, yeah. too much anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, that'll be your own personal choice as to what yeah. you do. Yeah. And, and, and also without a sense of condemnation or anything like that in your heart yeah. you know, you're having to honor your own discomfort in certain kind of context whereby yeah. you're either biting your tongue or you're afraid yeah to, because it'll just be a big conflagration and so yeah I, that's fair enough take a break yeah it's i i do think it's like that these issues are so complex and vast and, and what was occurring to me was just that this meditating on on a geopolitical and a personal level that they turn the other cheek because the the desire for revenge can be so strong um yeah i mean it's perfectly i think acceptable to be neutral at the moment and to just be calm and to feel compassion for everyone in suffering in all ways yeah um, yeah yeah, I, I mean, obviously, there are times when we have to stop people who are doing atrocious things. We have to stop them any way we can. And then after that, after they've been stopped, there has to be some kind of diplomacy or negotiation or yeah. understanding. Yeah. And, you know, as most of you know, I have studied nonviolent st strategies and movements for, you know, 40 years or something. Um, right. You know, and another one of my opinions that has changed is that I used to feel that everything always had to be accomplished only through nonviolent strategies. Okay. Well, that doesn't always work. It probably wouldn't have worked against Hitler. Um, he had to be stopped. Yeah. And then once he was stopped, 
it was good that the world then calmed down and that even people who were bitter enemies during the war came together and rebuilt the ruined cities and, and countries. And we had, you know, all these years of relative peace as a world community with lots of skirmishes along the way, but relative peace. Yeah. Um, so I think that, you know, where we sit at the moment, again, let's just be calm and not overly reactive, even with our friends yeah. who are highly opinionated and high strung about it, <laughs> white hot fury, be, be understanding and, and loving. But if you're finding that it's just too much to be too close in with that, then fair enough to take a break. Well, it's, I, I, I have a high tolerance for people who have points of view that are different because sometimes I see they're actually thinking. They're not just having a knee-jerk reaction. But I think sometimes it's, yeah, it, it's challenging. I suppose it's to recognize where, where you might be pulled into polarizations and, and just try and take a step back. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Catherine. It's wonderful to be in a space where we can explore these huge issues. Yes, right. And just to get some confidence in a certain way to play it that maybe is, you know, not the usual way. This has been In the Deep. You can find our podcast on many of the major podcast platforms, as well as on our website, katherineingram.com, where you can also book a private session and see the schedule of upcoming events. We rely on donations for the production of these podcasts, and we're grateful for your support by donation, which in the U.S. is tax deductible. We're also grateful for your reviews or for simply sharing these podcasts with your friends. Till next time.